0: In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Again, that is lls.org slash bigclimb. Welcome to another episode of the Clip City podcast. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. Today I'm joined by a regular guest at this point, pretty regular. Uh, every, every couple weeks, every two to three weeks, uh, <laughs> <laughs> your, your bi weekly guest, bi weekly <laughs> contributor, um, Mo Dekeel, Mo, how are you doing on this lovely Tuesday morning?
1: I'm I'm doing all right considering everything that's going on uh in the world uh you know uh I'd be quite the prick to complain right now. <laughs> yes. I think uh, but I I think I'm 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 doing all right, man. I'm, I'm 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 feeling good. Everybody's healthy, everybody's safe um and you know we're all kind of glued to the news at the same point, time. Uh, exactly. Um
0: that's kind of I, I mean I I've been saying this recently. It it, it is like it's a weird question. It's a loaded question because I think most of the time, you ask someone how they're doing, and it's just the "I'm good, I'm well" the, the cliche. Um, you know, you, you just almost respond like a robot and, and don't even really process the question, um, even if you aren't doing well. But now it feels like uh, the floodgates have opened, where people are actually having real conversations about how they're doing and. Um, giving real answers. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I I know I've had multiple conversations with people um, that have kind of surprised me. And uh, it's been, it's definitely been, as we, as (laughs) we were joking, but we were kind of serious before the podcast that like the past three or four months have aged everybody like five years yeah Um, no
1: it's 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 crazy (laughs) and 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 i want to say something to anybody who's listening who who may not be doing well or or may be struggling it's okay like we're in a weird time it's okay that you feel that way i think there's a lot of people that feel that way we're in a very uh, chaotic time on on several fronts so it's okay you know do what you have to do to take care of yourself um Hopefully we're going to give you a break for uh, some time here while you're listening to, to, to help ease your, easier, easier pain here a bit, but it's all right. We're all in this together. We're all going to keep fighting together.
0: Definitely. I've, I've felt a lot of those emotions and um, you know, it, it's been a weird time for myself, uh, obviously everyone else too, but um, it's, you know, hopefully this is, a little break from reality. You can get your Clippers fix and we could talk some NBA returning, uh, some actual good news, um, in a sea of bad news. Uh, so, uh, on, so last Wednesday, it was reported by the athletics Shams Sharania that the NBA would be returning in a 22 team format in Orlando, in Disney World. Apologize if you already know all this, but I'm just going to give you a quick recap. It is the 16 current playoff teams with six additional teams, New Orleans, Portland, San Antonio, Sacramento, Phoenix, Washington. The season is set to resume on July 31st with Game 7 of the NBA Finals scheduled for October 12th, Uh, so I I believe the Finals are set to start uh, September 30th and uh, the playoffs are set to start August 18th. So there will be eight regular season games to determine the playoff seeding, and potentially, if the number nine seed is within four games of the number eight seed, there will be a sort of two-game playoff series where the eight seed just has to win one game, the nine seed has to win both games. Uh, Teams can return to their facilities on the 30th, travel to Orlando on July 7th, uh, for that July 31st, uh, you know, official restart. And then later down the road, uh, the draft lottery will be August 25th. The draft will be October 15th. So we still don't have the exact schedule and the specifics on the intricacies of the format, such as back-to-back games, any rule changes, uh, you know, potential advantages for home court teams, um, how many players are going to be available, The number of traveling staff all that stuff is still kind of being ironed out but the current playoff standings um you know heading into this uh you know resumption of the season are lakers at one clippers at two nuggets at three jazz at four thunder at five rockets at six mavericks at seven grizzlies eight blazers nine pelicans ten kings eleven Spurs, who just snuck in LaMarcus Aldridge's surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the sneak tank job.
1: I mean, they keep Uh, it quiet, man. He uh, had that surgery at the end of April. Like, we went through a whole month and nobody heard anything about it. uh,
0: The the suds at 13. Um, So, I think, you know, this is obviously a Clippers podcast. We're going to focus on the Clippers here. Um, Some interesting things of note for the Clippers. Uh, According to Yahoo Sports... the the eight game schedule is going to be determined by taking the remaining eight games on a team schedule. If one of those games is against the lottery team, you would just skip that game and move on to the next one. Now, this does create some schedule conflicts where certain teams are on certain team schedules and and not on their own um, and and vice versa. And, and, you know, so they're gonna have to figure out how to best iron this out. Is it just scrapping it entirely and doing a new eight game schedule for everybody? Is it just adjusting the few games that don't align? Um, So we don't have any insight into that yet. Uh, But if the Clippers get their way and have their projected schedule, their projected schedule would be pretty easy. Uh, You you have (laughs) Brooklyn, New Orleans, Dallas and Denver, which are the, the, the two hard games, phoenix brooklyn indiana sacramento so you're playing two you're playing two lottery three lottery teams the plus two brooklyn games so i mean that to me right there should be four you know four and one or five and zero. then you have indiana denver dallas which you should probably go two and one in that so like I think on paper the Clippers should go six and two or seven and one against this schedule. Um, you know, before the break they had gone seven and one, had a league best eleven point five net rating post All Star break. So the, the Clippers were rolling before postponement um, against harder competition. I mean, they rolled Denver, they rolled Houston. Um, so I, I do think uh, you know with the way the, the standings are, they have a one and a half game lead over Denver. Uh, a three-game lead over Utah. The Clippers have the inside track for the two-seed. They probably will be the two-seed. It it might even be locked up by that Denver game, which would be their fourth game. Um, So what do you think about the kind of return with eight regular season games? You know, they're going to have close to a month lead up to the playoffs. Um, and, And then how this potential schedule could Help the Clippers or maybe hurt them by, you know, playing some of the worst teams in the, you know, the setup where, you know, you are playing lottery teams, teams like Brooklyn that would probably be lottery teams in the West and not really getting a a tune up of of maybe playing a Dallas or a Houston in the first round. And, and, you know, maybe having a a lighter schedule could hurt you. I don't know. But what do you think?
1: Well, I, I don't necessarily think that having a lighter schedule can hurt you. I think it's a good way to kind of tune your guys' up tune up a bit, kind of get getting into the flow of things, you know, in in the especially the first couple of games. Like, listen, I don't care how great shape everybody's in. I don't care what uh they've been doing during the quarantine or what Stuff they do in training camp, nothing replaces playing in an NBA game. In the first couple of games, I think every team is going to have a little bit of a rust that they're going to have to work off and and kind of find that basketball flow, um, sort of thing, and find their rhythm again. And I think, you know, as you talked about, the Clippers were beginning to roll and and they're beginning to gel a bit. And I think. You know, this is a real the disruption really kind of hurt them in that sense of building that chemistry. And they have a short amount of time now to build chemistry that I think you really need in the playoffs. But again, this is still one of the best teams, I think, there. And I think having a shortened having the schedule the way it's set up, you know, not having any of the tough teams to really have to face up against, I think that's all right. I think the the stuff I find interesting is like potentially playing Dallas or or Oklahoma. Who else did you say? The Dallas and Oklahoma City. Who else might be on that? Sorry.
0: Uh, it's the 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 tough teams, quote unquote tough teams are Dallas, Denver, and Indiana. Um,
1: yeah, and having having, you know, Dallas is potentially a playoff team. Yeah, you know that's that, that that's potentially your playoff opponent. You know, you they might even. Not throw the game, but play the bare minimum stuff, and not show show as much stuff. A little gamesmanship, maybe, in terms of that. It kind of depends where they're at in the the standings and things like that. Because you know, I don't think they'll catch the Lakers. The Lakers are five and a half games up on them. Yeah. Uh, I, I I just don't think they'll they'll be there. You know, that's that's Lakers would just it's have like to a win complete three collapse. Yeah, they would just have to win three of the eight, and I think they're they're good enough to to at least go five hundred. You know, the the Clips. You know, our game and a half up on Denver. And I think that's something they got to kind of keep an eye on if they really want to stay at the second seed. It, it, it comes down to really who do you want to play against in the playoffs? You know, because home court advantage doesn't matter anymore. So it's not like if they drop the three, like, oh no, they lose home court advantage in the second round or anything like like That's not a concern for the Clippers. Uh, you know, they're all in a neutral spot. It really comes down to who do you want to play in the playoffs? and that bunch of the the third seed to the sixth seed is separated by two and a half games you know and and, and that can change pretty much regularly so that's going to be the interesting thing there and and Dallas can maybe sneak in but I don't think so so I think they have a uh, pretty good idea who they're going to play if that's who they want to play and I think that's who they should want to play right
0: yeah I mean the the, the tricky part of course is it is somewhat hard to try to predict who you're going to play in this scenario, just because you don't know how other teams are going to come out of the break, right? And, right. and you don't know, you know, what guys are going to slip up, what guys are going to be out of shape, what guys might get injured, what guys, um, you know, might get corona and have to quarantine for, I believe they said ten days. Um, so there, there's so many you know uncertain variables in this scenario that i think it is you know let's just say they resume the season as normal and, and there was like you know whatever 15 to 17 games for, for most teams you still wouldn't know that there's always some uncertainty but there's extra level of uncertainty here because we've just never had a situation where you basically had a four-month break before the playoffs um it's just, you know, unprecedented. It's so, absurd. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, even like I, I was saying this yesterday, it's like almost like a reverse lockout where, you know, at least in the lockout, you had the entire regular season. And yes, you saw like weird results and, and guys getting injured and there's guys out of shape and stuff. But like you at least had a, a semblance of a season to lead up to it. This is like an eight-game preseason, basically. Um, you know, like the, the basketball is, is going to be – you know, Doc said it on a call with us a couple of months ago that um, you know he's like, think about the first game after the All Star break, how bad that is, how how bad that basketball is. It's going to be like that for like weeks, maybe. Um, so I do think you know it's going to be interesting. But one thing I'm I'm curious, um, you know, you mentioned the home court thing. So ESPN had reported uh, a couple of weeks ago that the league was was toying with certain ideas with the home court, you know, thing of, of maybe, is it extra timeouts? Is it extra, you know, one player gets a seventh foul you can designate. Um, is it starting each quarter with, you know, with the ball and, and maybe getting a couple extra possessions? Um, you know, I guess they've, they've talked about different stuff. Nothing has been you know finalized yet. Um, I, I see the argument for and against that. Like, I think it's a little ridiculous just to get like an extra foul for a player. Um, a little ridiculous but, I mean it's pretty ridiculous <laughs> but um but, but the truth is though like I'd, I'd be interested to see who teams gave it to because I'm like if you're the Lakers why would you even give it to LeBron when LeBron's rarely in foul trouble like I'd, I'd probably give it to AD like the Clippers Kawhi's not in foul trouble often like maybe you want to give it to Pat or, or PG um you know down the list like I, I, does Milwaukee give it to Giannis like I feel like it would actually not even be star players because star players are so rarely in foul trouble, or at least <laughs> right. most, unless you're big. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on um, the home court, the loss of home court and, and how it would affect the Clippers because the Clippers during the regular season, 25 and seven at home, which was the best home record in the West, the fourth best, Home record overall behind the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Heat, so they actually were. You know, everyone likes to joke on the Clippers crowd and, and Staples Center and, and stuff like that, but the Clippers actually were a dominant home team. It was rare for them to lose at home, and they had a modest road record at nineteen and thirteen. So, still a good, still above five hundred. Um, they're not the they're not the ten and 24 twenty four seventy sixes on the road, but I do think that losing that home court advantage could – I think it could hurt the Clippers in the first two rounds and help them in the final two rounds because they were looking at playing the Lakers and the Bucks without home court advantage. You know, people – some people would say playing the Lakers, that's like seven road games, you know, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Playing the Bucks. the, the Bucks are – you know, have, have the second-best home record in the league – you know, I've been to Milwaukee for games a couple times. That is a crazy crowd. Um, you know, especially over the last couple of years, as the team's been really good. Giannis feeds off the crowd. Um, you know, they're really, really good at home. So you do eliminate that challenge towards the end of the postseason. You don't have to, you know, play the Lakers in potentially seven road games or or whatever. Um, you don't have to play the Bucks in Milwaukee. But those first couple rounds, you now don't have that advantage against the Dallas, uh, against the Houston, against an OKC, and then in the second round against, you know, probably Houston or Denver. So how how do you you know, do you take that trade off because you you think the Clippers are better than those teams um, in the first couple rounds and you'd rather have the, you know, the, the neutralization in the conference finals finals or is it potentially going to hurt them not to have it? And maybe we do see an upset or maybe we see not necessarily an upset, but a team push them to six or seven games that if there was home court advantage, maybe the Clippers would have taken care of them in like five. Um, Like how how do you see that kind of balancing out, uh, you know, the beginning of the playoffs versus the end of the playoffs?
1: Yeah. First off the, the rumored stuff that, you know the changes that they might want to to give home court advantage or, or or advantage to teams that would have had home court advantage were all rubbish to me. They were all terrible ideas. So that that's something you can throw out. Um, and in that regard, for me, Yovan, you know the thing I find interesting about home court advantage, it matters to younger teams more than it does veteran teams. And although this Clipper team hasn't been fully together you have a lot of veteran experience on that team. You know, Paul George has been through the playoffs, obviously Kawhi two time champion, two times finals MVP. You know, you have a lot of experience. Doc knows how to coach it and things like that. I think home court advantage matters for younger guys. Cause I think it that's where it really kind of helps to push them and, and, and a comfort level and makes them feel a little bit easier at where they're at in that regard. And, and, there are not a lot of arenas that fully provide like a home court advantage, in the sense of like the crowd is so loud, it's 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 so difficult to play there. Um, you know, maybe the Sacramento Kings when they were on their run with the cowbells were, were was a real strong advantage. Um, you know, the Utah crowd's always difficult in that regard. You, you you know, you mentioned Milwaukee, which is a very dedicated crowd and stuff, but I've never felt like. It fully changed the game. You know, I I never felt like it was like, okay, that's such a, there's, that's such a great home crowd. That's basically four points right there. You know, um, I've just kind of never really felt that way. Now there is, like you said, the, the Clippers numbers at home are really good. And I think that has to do more with just being comfortable in the environment that they're in. And I think, look, everybody's coming at it, you know, into this neutral site, literally Nobody has the home court advantage. Maybe the Lopez brothers, cause they own property on this Disney property. <laughs> um, maybe they can view that as home court for the, the, the two of them, but nobody has that comfort level right now. Like everybody's kind of coming in here with, you know, the idea of we're all in a neutral site. We're all also coming off of the same long layoff. So I think there's a level of almost the playing fields relatively even, so that kind of makes the argument that it's like this is this is going to be a little bit tougher than normal, you know. We don't have the advantages we normally have, but also we don't have to travel. We don't have these things that are can make things difficult. So for me, the home court advantage is kind of like the the whole thing is kind of overplayed to me. And I mean, I would love to see. I'm sure somebody's written a analytical argument that home court advantage doesn't really matter or whatnot, or vice versa, but. You know, I I just think younger teams, younger players feel that pressure more on the road. And I think that's like – I think it's a big disadvantage for the Mavs to not have home court advantage. Now, granted, they're not – they're a seventh seed. They weren't going to have it anyways. Um, you know, I think teams – I think Denver, it's a little bit of a disadvantage for them because they're still relatively young in this whole thing. But I think teams like the Lakers, like the Clippers, even the Bucks. I mean, they were in the conference finals last year. You know, I, I feel like they all – should be able to handle it just fine without it. I don't think it'll be that massive of an effect um for for these teams. And I don't think it's a it's it's a big enough uh strike on these teams that they should be get afforded other advantages. You know, I mean they were talking about picking the other teams hotels.
0: Yeah like, was, like, I forgot that
1: are, one. <laughs> what are we talking? What's next? But, <laughs> we get to pick what they eat. All they get is just uh, McDonald's french fries that's it yeah. I don't get anything like what are we doing I mean
0: hey that, that doesn't sound that bad uh
1: I I, you know, I couldn't think of something really bad because uh, uh, I also well, like do, junk food so it's do you do, do,
0: do you think in a way that this almost because there's been a lot of talk about the asterisks and you know I, I think there's also been the kind of counter talk to it where I'm on more of that side of I think winning a title under these circumstances might be as impressive as any title ever. Um, you know, uh, again, like pe- people do like to point to the lockout season and, and that, or I, again, I, I don't think that that's the same. I think there's, you know, they had already played 80% of the season then had a four, you know, three and a half, four month break and then went back to playing. That's unprecedented. And that is to me different circumstances than a lockout season. Um, and uh, even a lockout season is, you know, you have all these back to backs. It's a condensed schedule as we see time and time again, a, bu- a bunch of kind of random injuries. Like I-, I don't think lockout seasons should be looked at necessarily the same way that they, they typically are. But that being said, I, I do think that, you know, withstanding you know, the Clippers have constantly talked about winning the weight and that's been their, their trait. You know, they trademarked the phrase that they're branding it now. Um, and you know, whether you think it's cheesy or not, there's something to like being the team that, you know, had the weekly zoom call, like, you know, you have a rockets podcast. Um, you know, so you're following the team. Like I thought it was interesting that doc and Austin had their interview and Austin's talking about how the Clippers are way ahead of the curve because they shipped everyone, um, you know, personalized you know home workout equipment right and they've been having these you know weekly zoom uh workouts and, and really just kind of coordinated you know doc's been calling everybody you know has a list he, he calls everybody every couple of days um so they've had a very coordinated effort during all of this and and that is to try to have some semblance of, of continuity of consistency um, and, and really just be on the same page heading back into the season so to me, for you to come out of this and have, you know, uh, the, the month lead in into the resumption of play, you know, ha- have eight regular season games, go into the playoffs, win a postseason under these weird conditions of being in a bubble, being in Orlando, not having home court. Like to me that's just as impressive, if not more, than a normal title. Probably more so. Um, but we've we've talked about, you know, over the years so many times of You know, talking about betting lines and on a neutral court, this team would be favored by this much. And, you know, talking about how how valuable home court advantage is, like some people say, you know, two and a half points, three points, whatever. We're finally seeing the neutral court like this is it. And and yes, sure, Orlando Magic are technically the home team, but no fans. Um, This is as neutral as it's ever going to get, because even in a neutral court setting, you would have fans in the stands that would probably lean one way or the other depending on who's playing. So do you think in a way, like adding in all those factors of, you know, the, the four month layoff, the, the teams isolated in this weird bubble the, the, and then adding in like the, the, neutral court, is this maybe the best, um, encapsulation of this season and, and, who the best team is and, and, you know, barring like one of the top 10 guys in the league testing for COVID, um, you know, as long as that doesn't happen, but that this on, but, is the but, accurate res- representation of, of, you know, or, or as accurate as it gets. Because if Milwaukee wins, Milwaukee won without home court advantage, uh, and, and you know, really was the best team. Like if, if the Lakers win, if the Clippers win, they did it. You know, home court's gone. So I, I think there is something to that.
1: I mean, one thing you know, you you had mentioned like if a star player gets COVID, you know, I think we have to look at it. As, and this is I, this is probably going to sound callous. Everybody, forgive me. It's just kind of the the way I'm looking at it, and um, we can call me a bad person later. But it's the equivalent of if a star player sprains his ankle, or 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 tears his knee up, or something. And I hope this doesn't happen to anybody. Um, but that's what that is in that sense. It's it's you have to treat it like an injury. So to say, you know, we're not putting an asterisk next to the Raptors championship even though KD tore his Achilles, you know, like we're, we're always kind of, I, I think there's this whole, now listen, if it wipes out an entire team and the team has to forfeit the series. Yeah. Okay. Then we could talk, but you know, this is, I'm looking at it as it's an injury, um, that's you right. know, and in that sense. So for me, that's kind of my viewpoint of that. And so that should taint these things and, and, and stuff like that. The, the asterisk stuff really pisses me off. And it pisses me off when we talk about the lockout teams. It pisses me off um, when we talk about this. First, just because, like, yo, those lockout seasons were tough. Three games and three nights, you know, uh, four and five and all these things. Like, it was a brutal schedule for these teams to have to get through to be able to get to the finals and win a championship. So there's that. I'm with you, Jovan, in the sense of this is going to be harder. Like, you know, like they want to put an asterisk next to it. You can go ahead and do that, but that should be because it's tougher. You know, everything you mentioned, you know, and and the Clippers being, you know, kind of staying really connected with each other during this whole process is great. Not every team's been doing that, you know, and, and, and it may help. It may not. There's no real way to quantify it. But I think, you know, the real test is going to be when you're in that bubble in September. And you've been in that bubble since July 7th, right? Is that when they go in? I, I, I mean, you're having a whole... Yes, yeah, grons- I was on mute. <laughs> I, I, I assumed as much. So, um, But yeah, you think July about 7th. it this way, from July 7th to September 7th, and you're not even in the conference finals yet. You know what I mean? Like you've been in that bubble for a long time. That's a mental stress, you know? And there's a lot of mental weight that's going to be involved in all of this. That I think is really a level that um, we don't talk about as much when we're talking about this this bubble situation and scenario. You know, the longer you go in, you know, the further you go in the playoffs, the longer you're in this bubble, and it's a high stress scenario for the most part. So I think um, this is going to be a lot tougher, and I think everybody is kind of starting in a relatively neutral area. Yeah, some teams are going to come out better some guys are going to have come into this thing you know completely out of shape and some guys are going to be in better shape than they normally would have been um some guys are more rested because of this break and and will be more refreshed for the playoffs and things like that there's there's going to be a mix of everything and how everybody handled this but for the most part this is a level playing field this is like you said about as neutral as we're ever going to see it and i think that's just the the scenario i just think it's going to be tougher man you don't have your normal routine. You're not going to have your normal setup. Teams aren't going to have their normal setup, uh, you know, and in, in, in how they do things and, and how they operate. So, you know, everybody's going to have to try to find a new normal very quickly from when they arrive and figure out what works that, what works for them and then start to ride through the, the process. I mean, this is a lot harder than, than I think a normal finals or a normal playoff situation would be. So that's why I kind of get, frustrated with the asterisk stuff. But we all know what's going to happen, Jovan, right? If the team that you didn't want to win wins, you're going to be screaming they should have an asterisk.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, I mean, Laker fans are going to be – if the Clippers win the championship, oh, Laker fans are going to dismiss this outright, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and and to your point,
0: I think your point on on COVID is fair. I, I would say, like, I mean, to me, there's a, the, the slight difference is, like, I guess, I mean, I don't know how people would view it under normal circumstances, but I just feel like if, let's say, um, like, I think there's obviously inherent risk anytime you play basketball. You you know that you can twist your ankle, you can break your leg, you can, you know, sprain your wrist, whatever, Um, and that stuff happens, and and that's just part of basketball, and, like, that's happened – Throughout NBA history and sometimes you lose a championship because that happens and um, you know the, there are seasons we can look back on and, and say player X got hurt and that shifted it um, you know like th- thinking more recently like 2009 Kevin Garnett um, you know that Celtics team is rolling right. I think they're like 27 and two you know the on their title defense and looked like world beaters once again, had won sixty-six games uh, the season before, were we're on pace to win even more, and KG goes down and they still make the conference semifinals, push Orlando to seven, but end up losing, and then, you know, the next year they make finals again and, and lose. But point being like this stuff happens where, you know, a key guy goes down for a, a title team and that swings the title race. Um, who knows what would have happened for that 09 Celtics team, uh, you know, probably would have played the Lakers and, and that would have been a great series. But uh, I, I just, so I, I think injury is kind of built into all of this, but I think having someone get like a, um, you know, a virus that, and it's the, I guess it's the same as someone getting sick, but I, I think if if someone got sick most of the time when someone gets the flu or something, you know, they might miss a game, you know, a game maybe two at most. They usually play through it. They'll get like an IV or something and, you know, they're kind of fine. This instance, you know, the person would have to be quarantined for, you know, 10 to 14 days. They would miss, depending on if it's regular season or playoffs, you know, upwards of, you know, three, four, five games, uh, maybe even more, depending on what the back-to-back schedule is. And I, I just think... While, you know, that's just a part of everyday life and, and that's the current reality we're dealing with, it would be a unique circumstance of like, you know, if Giannis gets COVID and, and has to sit out for two weeks, like the bucks are kind of toast and, but it's not even really an injury. It's like this, you know, it's just a virus that, you know, Um and, you know, I, I, I'm not a doctor, so I, I don't want to go too medical on. Uh, but you play one on TV. <laughs> but, I, but I play one on TV. Um, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think there's a slight difference where it, it is like. It, it, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we treat it like an injury, and maybe that's how we should view it. But I, I just feel like it, it's it, it is like a unique circumstance that it, that has been thrown into the mix where it's not like. It's not like an everyday, you know. It's not the normal flu or the normal cold that you know comes around in the winter time. This is something that, like, you, know, you got to be quarantined. And I just – I don't know if I'd go as, as far as to put an asterisk on it, but I w- would think, like, if – I don't know, if if Kawhi and Giannis got it, uh, the, like the Lakers win, that does kind of – I view it a little bit differently because it's – you know, and, and, and if Giannis and, and Kawhi both got injured, you might – also view it that way anyway, but it would be a little bit more like, okay, they're playing, they got injured. Like that's one thing, but to have this like virus that's spreading around only go to star players and other teams like that. I don't know. I, I just think it's, I don't even know it, how I view it. It would have to happen for me to really like process it. But I do think it's like, it isn't the same as an injury to me, but it doesn't necessarily negate an accomplishment either. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think the trouble everybody has with it and you kind of touched on it it's not an injury we see happen on the court, right? It's not, you know, we see Steph Curry slip on a wet spot and, and, and grab his knee or something like that. You know, it's, it's those kinds of things that I think is, it, it, it's why it's kind of harder to to look at it that way. And the severity of the disease itself, you, you know, is, it is a scary disease. So I understand people not wanting to look at it that way. It's just, it is what it is in that sense to me. And that's kind of, just the 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 way I view it um I do want to ask you one thing though Jovan because one thing about the Clippers is all the continuity uh you actually just spoke with Joachim Noah I mean he's probably holding the longest 10-day contract ever right um you, you know the h- how have you from what you've heard what have you heard from them kind of working him in and trying to get him up to snow on 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 the 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 system and everything like that because he hasn't even played a game right
0: yeah i think they have modest expectations for him um i I think looking at the roster they did need a third center um you know i've been screaming
1: it on every time i've been on the show so you have
0: (laughs) um well and and not even necessarily like a guy to play i just think literally like a third big body and that's where um you know, the, uh, the demise of the center has been greatly exaggerated. And, and there was a stretch there for a few years where the center position was was pretty meek. But, um, you know, just looking around the league, you, you got, I mean, Anthony Davis is basically a center. Uh, you, you got Joel Embiid, you got Nikola Jokic, you got Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, um, on and on, like, you know, half the league basically has an all-star candidate at center. And then the other half has, you know, pretty solid starting center. So, uh, and then there's PJ Tucker. Um, I, you know, but for the most part, like I I think, you know, teams still need size and and what the Clippers saw, um, you know, I I thought the the most interesting thing with my reporting on the story was the Clippers reached out to Joakim Noah uh, right after Joel Embiid kicked their butt in Philly and got, you know, six fouls Uh, I mean, not six fouls, 11 fouls combined on Ivica Zubots and Montrez Harrell. Um, And it it got so bad to the point that the Clippers put Marcus Morris on Joel Embiid because they didn't have another center. And sure, you know, Fiondu Cavanghele technically is their third center, but he's a rookie. Uh, He has not really shown much in the brief minutes he's played. Um, So he's basically just not going to play. So Joakim, I, I think... You look at um, the way he played in Memphis, and I think it kind of flew under the radar. Of you know, in preparation for the story, I, I went back and looked at his numbers, and you know, as we've talked about, some of the per thirty six stuff isn't always you know the, the best or most accurate representation of, of stuff. But um, his per thirty six, you know, were in line with like his third best season as a bull, and. Um again, you know, limited minutes and and it wouldn't have necessarily translated, but the point was on like a per minute basis, he was still very productive and and you know, as productive as he had been in the past. And you know, he no longer was that, you know, 35 minute a night guy or I guess 40 minute a night guy because he was playing for Tibbs. Um, but uh, you know, I, I thought he was a very productive guy. He could still pass, he was still good defensively, he could still rebound. Um, you know, still, still had the funky jump shot, but, uh, I, I just thought, you know, looking at it, he, he was a productive big and, you know, probably best suited for like a 12 to 15 minute a night roll off the bench. And to have that guy as your third center is a luxury. And also, you know, we, we've seen Avita Zubat's struggle, um, you know, last season <laughs> against the, against the Warriors. Um, I think doc has clearly shown he doesn't fully trust zoo and while i clearly disagree with that uh line of thinking i think having another veteran who you know can kind of almost provide some of the same stuff zoo does um and and that isn't montrez harrell basically uh you know would be a, a good alternative for the clippers so it's like okay if doc you know zoo gets in foul trouble or screws up or something and doc pulls him out Um, Yes, you can go Trez, but if you want to kind of keep the same vibe as Zoo, the the same type of skill set, you can go with Joakim Noah now. Um, And to me, it was just a a smart gamble of, you know, best case, he's a a glorified 15th man. Worst case, he can actually help you in a playoff series. I mean, sorry, best case is is that worst case is he's a glorified 15th man. And like, he's a positive guy. Like, you know, I I was there in, in Golden State for... Um, The one game he he was with the team and, you know, going into huddles, first guy up clapping, you know, uh, know, greeting his teammates, tapping them up, cheering, you know, yelling. Um, You know, this is a guy who really cares and he really fits that kind of Pat Beverly ethos of, um, you know, leaving it all on the floor at all times, no matter what. Like he is a energy guy. He's a little crazy, as, as I try to depict in the story. Um, so I, I think, you know, he, he fits in great with the group. Um, he, he's already talked, you know, he was talking to me about mentoring zoo, mentoring Trez. Um, I think he could have a positive impact on both those guys. And again, if he's anything close to what he was in Memphis, that's a a still a productive player. Um, and you know, he, he's been in playoff battles, you know, he's played for the bulls. He's played for Tibbs. Um, so I think the the New York experience was humbling for him. Um, you know, he had he had to swallow a, a humble, um, you know, a, a slice of humble pie, and really, I think bounced back in a big way in Memphis, and was set to do that with the Clippers. You know, he probably would have been on the roster uh, to start the season if not for a freak Achilles injury. So he had to bounce back from that, um, and then right when he bounced back, right. you know, two days into being a Clipper, the season gets postponed. So um, I think. As of now, the way Doc has described it, he is the third center. He isn't expecting him to play much. And if anything, the Clippers are looking more at like Jermichael Green and Marcus Morris at the five and like more small ball minutes. But Joakim Noah, if he can get back to that Memphis level, um, I think would make the playoff roster. I think they're going to sign him the rest of the season because right now he's still on a Um, 10-day. I think that he will be on the active roster if he can show stuff in practice. And I think he's someone that could help them against, again, a Jokic, a Gobert, um, right. you know, an Embiid, uh, you know, a, a, the Lakers. Um, you know, I, I think he, he he has experience against those guys. And um, I think he could, you know, it, it, to me, it was just a smart gamble of if it doesn't work out, you, you, you didn't sweat much. Uh, and if it does, then I think there's a decent upside.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a high risk, re- uh, excuse me, uh, low risk, high reward situation um i've been a fan of his for a while so i thought you know right like i thought he should have been on a roster early in the year unfortunately with that injured freak accident he had like it, it ended up not happening but you know you're right on his memphis minutes were one largely unnoticed and he was pretty good for them so i think he's a good pickup for the clips i think that was a good uh um signing for them and 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 I think ultimately everywhere he's gone, he's been a great team guy. So that's just perfect, you know, adds to help build the chemistry and keep everything rolling. So, uh, yeah, that's the positive side I I, I see with him.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I I think – and again, as you said, like – I mean, this this team has a – the other thing is like this team is in win-now mode. And if you really look at the rotation, you know, everybody has – different opinions on zoo and trez and in that dynamic and and who should play more and who's better and, and different stuff um so that's like you know you can ask 10 different people and you'll probably get 10 different opinions uh but what's i think what's not debatable is you know doc likes veterans and doc tends to favor veterans um this is a veteran heavy roster you know really the Think the only two rotation guys on, on this team that are under 25 are Zoo and Shamit. And, and Shamit's kind of been squeezed out of the rotation now that Reggie Jackson, who's a veteran, right. is on the team. So, um, I do think like uh, it, it's just kind of an insurance again for you know, if if Doc isn't playing Zoo, there isn't really another traditional center on this roster. And there, it's a lot of Trez, it's a lot of you know, 20 minute second halves for Trez. Um, and For all that Trez brings to the table offensively, um, as a role man, as a finisher, as as a charge taker, you know he leads the league in in charges taken. um, With with Kyle Lowry, he does, as we've discussed many times ad nauseum, he does present some issues on the glass and as a rim protector, and just as a kind of you know paint roamer overall. So I think to have someone like Noah, whose strengths are those things. Again, it's just another alternative for Doc to turn to if for whatever reason he, he gets cold feet with Zoo. Um, but quickly, let, let's, let's wrap up on this. Um, the Clippers, you know, uh, under the scenario that they went straight to the postseason, which was talked about, the Clippers' path was going to be um, Dallas round one, Denver, Houston round two, the Lakers round three, and most likely the Bucks in finals. I actually think the Celtics have a sneaky shot to make the finals, but and not if let's they just play Philly
1: with... in the first round.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I, I think, I think Philly, I think Philly is going to go into the four or five. Um, okay? But, but that that was my, my thinking. What was, you know, uh, most you know, they would have played Dallas in round one. That'd be for certain. Right. I, I think we, we, we've, we've talked about that series. We think they would have won. Then it would have been Denver, Houston. I think they would have won in either scenario. Then it would have been the Lakers. That's a toss up then it would have been the Bucs. I think that's also a toss-up. Now, we have no idea what their path is going to be. Um, Most likely, it still seems like Dallas because the Clippers have the game-and-a-half lead on Denver. They have an easier schedule than Denver. And I I think most likely it still is Dallas, but they're going to face Team X, probably Denver in round two because Denver is probably going to be locked in the 2-3 one way or the other. Uh, of course, that depends on what Houston does. I think Houston can beat Denver if they stay in the six, but um, and, and then Lakers Milwaukee. But w- with the pro- kind of the projected playoff path versus what it looks like it could be now, um, do you think it's easier, harder? Is it too early to tell? Uh, but that, that that'd be my final question before we get out of here.
1: Um, I think it's probably too early to tell. We just got to see how it shakes up. I like the roadmap that they have now. You know, not having to play. I think we talked about it with Tim Cato on his podcast, uh, or it was a Clip City podcast. I can't remember. It was. It was. It a, was a crossover. Uh, crossover. Crossover. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but you know, I think they they beat the Mavs pretty easily. Um, plus the fact that the Mavs don't have a lot of playoff experience, so that that's going to be a thing for them. I think Denver and Houston both are uh, the. Uh, they're tougher opponents, but I think the Clippers can beat them. Even Houston going small, I think the Clippers can match their small ball lineup and, and and be just as devastating. I think Denver, I I just don't think they have the firepower to beat the Clippers in a seven game series. So I like everything leading up, you know, to that collision course with the Lakers, and that's going to be where it gets tough. I I, I think we got to see really what the schedule looks like to get an understanding of who's going to drop and, and, and whatnot. You know, if, if the Rockets somehow drop to seventh, that's a tough first round matchup, whereas Dallas is a bit easier. Uh, I still think the Clippers went, it, but it's still a bit of a, a, a challenge in that sense. So um, for me, it's too early to call it. Uh, I, I kind of want to see it. Uh, but if it stays this way, that's a great playoff uh, a route for the, uh, the Clippers.
0: Yeah, I, I would. I agree with you. I, I am tempted to say I think it's potentially a little bit harder, um, just because I think looking at the the te- you mean like okay, like let, let's just put Dallas. I don't see any of the eight like the eight seed contenders jumping Dallas. The, the you know so they're, not they're, like some, they're not yeah, getting there. It's like they're not getting there. So yeah, if you look at it like you know D- Denver's not going to fall the seven or, or six. No. Um, Utah maybe could. Uh, w- without Bogdanovich and with the team chemistry issues they have now. Um, though Utah has not been a great matchup for the Clippers. Gobert gives them problems. Um, Donovan Mitchell gives them problems. And, and some of their their shooting and, and just kind of ball movement gives uh, the Clippers problems. And they're really good defense. Um, so really, I, and I don't think the Clippers want to play Houston around one. So really, it's, it's Dallas versus OKC. Um, I'd actually rather play OKC. So I guess if the Clippers end up playing OKC, then that maybe is an easier path. But, the, you know, you might play Houston. You know, who knows how what happens with Houston or, or who knows what happens with Utah. If one of those two teams falls, I think you now have a harder path. Um, though, though maybe in the second round it's a little easier. Depend- so I think it, it, it does depend how it shakes up. But if, if the Clippers were looking at like a Dallas-Denver first, second round, I think that's pretty easy. I think the Clippers could go like eight and two. In those two series if you end up playing something like utah houston now you 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 know you could have two six or seven game series back to back before playing the lakers um so i it's too early to tell but i do think the the projected path if it had just been cemented in and they went straight to playoffs would have been a little easier you would have had a little more certainty with this there's a lot of variance and potential you know room for error but We'll see. Uh, either way, I think the Clippers are going to at least make the conference finals, so it doesn't matter. Um, Mo, where can people find you on Instagram and Twitter uh, and, it, your, and, and listen to you on the Athletics Audio Waves?
1: Yeah, you can catch me on Brody and the Beard. You can catch me on Nerd or She Wrote on the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, also, uh, you can find me on Twitter at mode to m-o-d-a-k-h-i-l underscore nba and and same for uh instagram so uh, actually follow me on instagram man i need to get some of those instagram follows up man i got i got a good amount going on twitter let's let's get the instagram follows to come up here a little bit guys uh i always post good pictures of food um so help me out here but that's where you can find me that's where you can see where i'm writing and 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 talking about that's where i publicize everything i'm doing
0: well, uh, you can follow me, as always, on Instagram and Twitter at Yovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. And if you've not subscribed to this podcast, uh, I don't know what you're doing, but you just listen to us for 50 minutes. So you should do that. You can go to theathletic.com slash Clip City to subscribe to The Athletic and this podcast. Um, it will help me out. It will help out the podcast. I'll be back next week to talk, hopefully schedule. Hopefully we'll have the, the schedule by next week. Um, and, and we can break that down. Uh, but Mo, thank you again. And stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy. And stay sane, because it, it is hard to you right now.